Screen Time with John Fardy. This is News Talk. Hello and welcome to a very special Screen Time on this St. Patrick's Day. I'm John Fardy and I'm the presenter of Screen Time News Talk's TV and movie show. If you've never tuned in to me or indeed to Screen Time, that's why I'm reminding you who I am. If you know who I am and maybe you're tired of listening to me, you don't need any further elucidation of someone you don't even like. Now, we are bringing you a very special show this week where we are looking at the best Irish movies of all time. This is a very subjective list I have to say regular listeners to Screen Time will know that the show features one of Ireland's premier movie critics possibly in the world and it also has Mark Ryle on it as well oh boom 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 I've been waiting for ages Mark Ryle my partner in crime our resident critic on Screen Time is with me for this crawl through our very subjective list of our favourite Irish movies of all time if you'd like to get in touch to join the conversation as they say regularly on this radio station you can tweet me John underscore Fardy or you can email me screentime at newstalk.com without further ado good afternoon good evening Mark how are you good afternoon John yeah very. we're using a very very uh, fast and loose definition of, of Irish films we're not going to get bogged down in, <laughs> in Absolutely. Where, where the money came from or, or how many scenes were, were actually shot in Ireland born yeah, yeah exactly exactly which actors were born here or any of that stuff it is very subjective but you know there are a lot of movies that when you go and tra- it's like live albums when you trace actually how live they are you know so we're, this is in the general public imagination of what we mean by an Irish movie yes. exactly yeah exactly and quite tellingly we've we've tried to go through the decades and all but some of them it seems to me that maybe the 90s were a great time for Irish movies yeah, or maybe that's just us oh. but let's see and as I say anyone listening can join the conversation you can tweet us or you can email us so Mark I'd like you to go first you and what, yeah why not why not I why? mean I was why <laughs> yeah, why not why <laughs> so what what's okay. What's your first in the list? Well, you are going to be very, very surprised by my first choice, I think. Yeah. Um, I have gone with The Quiet Man from 1952. Wow. Um, I'd say... Because immediately people will go, The Quiet Man, yeah. is there not a lot of paddywhack yes, 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 yes. There is, There's a hell of a lot of okay. paddywhack. Tell us why, then. <laughs> I think it's uh, it's to Ireland what Brigadoon is to Scotland. Um, yes. Uh, it's a vision of Ireland that never really existed. It was cooked up by an American and it was shot in lurid technicolour. There's there's green in every single frame. Um, it's the Ireland of the Quiet Man. It's an Ireland of, you know, John Hind postcards and uh, comely maidens dancing at the crossroads. Yes. Um, but it is just, it's really, really funny. Um, and it's, I, I, I love the Quiet Man, I suppose, in sight of myself. And I know it hasn't aged well. In spite of yourself. In spite of myself. I, I'm aware of its problems. Mm. And uh, yeah, as you say, it's I suppose it's the poster boy for for, for bog-trotting paddywhackery. <laughs> but it's just, it's a really, really good film. It was the it was the second of three movies that John Ford directed John Wayne and Maureen O'Hara mm-hmm. in. The other two being Rio Grande and, and The Wings of Eagles. Um so this, I think everyone is aware of the story. John John Wayne Just travels, travels back to to Ireland, the old sod, the old sod, um, the country of his the, to the the house of his parents, and uh, he falls in love with uh, Maureen O'Hara, and he kind of um, has to what's the word um, navigate through the bizarre <laughs> traditions of uh, courtship. Yes, um, they have John Wayne and Maureen O'Hara have a very obvious chemistry. Um, I would I would argue that Wayne is kind of the least important element of The Quiet Man because it's a movie that's just filled with big characters mm. and they're played by really great character actors from you've got Ward Bond playing the part the, the Catholic priest uh, Victor McLaglan uh, Red Will Danaher the old guy in it I don't know whether you remember this the, he jumps out of his deathbed mm-hmm. to go and watch the the Donnybrook <laughs> I always thought that was Noel Purcell it's not it's actually Ford's brother Francis but anyway uh, like you've got a fantastic cast but towering head and shoulders above them all is Barry Fitzgerald yeah um, he is and Maureen O'Hara is no slouch in it though God no no no. as I say I think I think John Wayne is yeah, probably the, the, the least the, part and Maureen O'Hara gets some really good lines yeah. as well but yeah Barry Fitzgerald he's a matchmaker he's a bookie he's a cabbie um, I suppose his main role in it though is the ringmaster of the whole thing mm. and um it's it really is it's a window into the past it's it's set in 1920 which is like over 100 years ago but it may as well be you know 
1720. <laughs> May as well put all the talk of dowries and chaperones and courtship rituals and that, yeah. you know. Um, it's As I say, it's really, really funny. There's a that, there's a long scene with Maureen O'Hara and Barry Fitzgerald where he's drunk and they're trying to hash out the details between of the courtship. Yeah. And I've never seen better drunk acting right, than, than okay. Barry Fitzgerald. And some of the lines are just so funny. Well, let's take a quick clip of The Quiet Man. Oh, another thing. You keep away from my sister Mary-Kate. She's not for the likes of you. Where I come from, we don't talk about our women folk in saloons. You sort of make a habit of it. This morning it was Widow Talan. What's that? That's true. It's a shame you should be. Hey, look, I'm not accusing Mary Kate. It's him. Why, this very morning, let him deny it if he can. At the back of the chapel, he took liberties that he shouldn't have. I said good morning to her. Good morning? Yes, but it was good night you had on your mind. That's a lie. That's a what? I said that's a lie. That's a word I take from no man. Put up your fists. I'm not going to fight you, Dan. But I'm going to fight you, then. That's a clip there from The Quiet Man, uh, which Mark Ryle is nominating as his first uh, best Irish movie of all time, and he swears by it. Yeah. So listen, right? Yeah. I see, I agree with you. The yeah. Quiet Man is a good film, and it's lost now, and, you know, people think it's more paddywhackery than it actually is. But Jim Sheridan said this great thing about a similar movie once, and we're going to get to Jim Sheridan because he looms large in our list. But he was talking once about Darby O'Gill and the Little People, okay. which I wouldn't have in this list at all because it is paddywhackery to the hilt. But he said this great thing about, because I think he was talking at a special screening of it in the IFI or something like that. And he said, you know, we need to get beyond this stuff. Every nation has this stereotypical view of itself that other people see that isn't it. And they don't get so exercised about it. Like the Brits embrace it when it comes to something like four weddings and a funeral where they're all going, yeah, wonderful. And and he was saying, you know, we need to embrace this stuff. It is part of who we are. It is part of our history. People have seen us as these kind of jackine buffoons and all that. Let's not jump up and down about it. Let's celebrate it. And I think there's a touch of that with the quiet man. I think there's a, that's fine about the, the Brits embracing stuff like four weddings and a funeral. I think the problem is that when the Brits and the Americans embrace stuff like the quiet man. And assume that, that yes. that's us. Yes, no, that, that, that is a problem. And have you ever been to the Quiet Man Cottage, actually? I have, actually. I, yeah. I don't want to, I'm, I'm kind of humming and hawing, but I would not. There's a, there's a museum in Kong. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend <laughs> But we have, we have been to where, around where it was shot, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah I have. Um, I mean, it was good enough for Spielberg to rip off. He put the, that big kiss between John Wayne and Maureen O'Hara into E.T., yeah. you know? It's good enough for Spielberg. It's good enough for me. Absolutely. I can't argue with that. Well, look, I think you've made a pretty good case. Case. Quase. You've made a pretty good case for The Quiet Man. So that is Mark's first choice in his list of his favourite and partially best Irish movies of all time. I'm going slightly old school as well. It's, it's a bit more recent. 1987, The Dead mm. with John Huston. Yep. Have you seen this? I have. Um, I have to. I, I kind of. I don't. Yeah. My. I gave my aunt, who is of a certain age, my DVD of the Dead a long time ago, and I can't bring myself to ask for it back. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been a while. No, of course. I mean, I, of course, I know the Dead. Yeah. Yeah. So this was John Huston's final movie, and yeah. just for listeners. He was keeping it secret at the time, but he was on death's door, you may be aware. And he was he couldn't walk for a lot of the filming. And, you know, he, he spent a career doing literary works as well, but he always wanted to do Joyce. And it's based on the last story in Joyce's Dubliners. And people have said Joyce is unfilmable and people have tried it. And there's a version of... Uh, Portrait of the Artist, which isn't very good. And there's they've done, you know, Molly Bloom and, and, and different takes on it. But trying to film Joyce itself is very tricky. And the idea of filming the story of the dead seems absurd because most people, well, a lot of people will know that the last story in Dubliners, the dead, is about this evening where these two sisters, if memory reminds me correctly, are having a musical night and they're bringing people over to have a meal and they're going to play some music and these characters come in and out and central to them is this married couple. And it's just a slowly, in the story, a slowly observed dinner and then right in the last few pages, this story between the two central characters emerges, particularly about something from the woman's past and there's this beautiful closing monologue about 
life being about the living and the dead, let's say, and I don't want to give any spoilers. So here's this gorgeous story and the idea that it could be made into a film seems bizarre, I would suggest. And yet it is a work of absolute beauty. Like the, there's little drama in it, but yet it holds you entirely. And the unfilmability of the last pages of that story put on screen are absolutely beautiful and you get these shots of Ireland covered in snow and Donal McCann who played Gabriel and I sort of said and Angelica Houston, John Houston's daughter who played Greta, this married couple his sonorous, beautiful voice seeing his wife for the first time once she reveals this story from her past and giving this monologue about the living and the dead with these gorgeous scenes of Ireland with the snow falling it is just Beautiful cinema making. And me, transient as they, flickering out as well into their grey world. Like everything around me, this solid world itself which they reared and lived in is dwindling and dissolving. Snow is falling. Falling in that lonely churchyard where Michael Fury lies buried. Falling faintly through the universe and faintly falling like the descent of their last end upon all the living and the dead. And the perfect swan song for the genius that was John Ford. Now that's two geniuses in one description, James Joyce and John Huston. Sorry, not John Ford. John Huston. But it is genius filmmaking. Mm. He was, I think, he was in. A, he was on oxygen, all right, and he was yeah. certainly confined to a wheelchair. Didn't and he? his son, who wrote the script, was trying to keep that from people. And as was his daughter Angelica. And don't forget, Angelica had just won an Oscar the previous year for Pritzi's Honor, which Pritzi's Honor, isn't the greatest movie in the world. It was an odd. It was an odd movie to do well at the Oscars. But she was top of the world, and then she did this, you know, very small Irish movie with her dad. It's just absolutely beautiful. Yeah, yeah. She grew up here until I think until she was sixteen. Yeah. Um, I think you know if you're going I, like, I think the, uh, Dubliners is probably the most accessible of yeah. of Joyce's yeah. work, and it kind of goes downhill. <laughs> but, really? Uh, I yeah, we want to be very sure careful here. You've angered enough people over the years in uh, the film community. To I start probably continue to, to start knocking off the Joyceans. <laughs> you know, have you read Ulysses? I have actually, from cover to cover. And Without going into it, I, I spent a long time. I did like I had a. It was back in college, and I had a long time to do it. And did you find it a rewarding experience? I certainly didn't. Okay. What about Finnegan's Wake? I never tackled Finnegan's okay. Wake. I think okay. I think Ulysses is is, is good as enough far for me. As you're prepared but to go. Dubliners is a fantastic book, and I like. I suppose the the unfilmable aspect of it mm. is because so much of um, the dead is to do with interiority. Yeah. And it's it, like it's a it's a short story, but it's a, it's a fairly hefty short story, and all of the drama, if you like, is back ended. Yeah. To the the very very end of the movie. Yeah. But uh, yet the previous bit works as well. Yeah, I mean, there's tiny there's, there's little bits in it that yeah. yeah all build up to this thing. But I suppose it's about a, a couple who have been together a very long time, but who don't know each other at all. Yeah. And. It's a you know Gabriel's realization of this, yeah, and, and her revealing of that, yeah. And, and I'm not going to go into it, but how a secret kept can you know not drag you down, but it it runs riot over your life quietly for as long as you want to keep it. You the know? life not not lived. Yeah, exactly. I, I God, I feel like watching it now. To be honest, I've seen it many, many times. I'll have to get the DVD back from my aunt. We, we'll after this, we'll call around to your aunt. You know, bailiff style. Hey, up. Yes. So, listen. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to a very special screen time where me and Mark Royal on this St. Patrick's Day and this St. Patrick's weekend, because we were repeating this show on Saturday evening, as is our wont, are looking at our favourite and I guess what we're saying are the best Irish movies of all time. We would love to hear from you. You can tweet us. John underscore Farty is my Twitter handle or you can email us screentime at newstalk.com and do let us know what you think we should be including. There are going to be, you know, misses here and there are, we only are doing about eight or ten movies so you can't get to everything. So you will be disappointed by what's not included. But we have tried to be popular. Mark, we've only done two movies mm. and we have to take our first ad break. <laughs> no, no, we've miles to go, go yet. Let's take a quick ad break. 
Now you're welcome back to Screen Time. This is News Talks TV and Movie Show. You're listening to a special Screen Time special here on St. Patrick's Day where Mark Ryle and I are bringing you our favourite movies, our favourite Irish movies of all time and what we think are the best. We've done shows like this before where we've done our favourite road movies, our best movie endings, and they've proved popular. So God hoping our luck holds out. Mark, before the break, we were talking about my choice, The Dead, and also The Quiet Man. Where would you like to go next? Well, I'm going to go... Uh, it's This one is the complete antithesis of The the Quiet Man. Right. I said an, antith- the loud antithesis. Man. Is it The Loud Woman? <laughs> no. It's The Field from 1990. Ah. Um... I could have picked any number of other Jim Sheridan movies and I think you might be I don't know whether you're you're going to talk There may be one in there there Maybe may be one. a lot of Jim Sheridan In my humble opinion I think The Field beats them all purely because of Richard Harris mm-hmm. um, He is just terrifying He's a a laser guided force of nature in this um, It was only Jim Sheridan's second movie uh, funnily enough God, I thought it, like it's it's weird thinking that his, his second movie was in 1990 but yeah. anyway it is the story of um, Bull McCabe and uh, this inhospitable infertile plot of land that he has over two generations he slowly turned it into arable farmland and for for decades he's been leasing the land from a widow and then when she decides to sell it off he's outbid by Tom Berenger who plays a a blow-in American and uh, that really sets Bull off (laughs) Yes, it certainly does Um, It's based on uh, John B. Keane's Play, a play, and often when a movie is based on a play, I think the source is kind of overly apparent. And um, it's so not in this. I don't think so. I no, mean, it, it is full of, of of monologues and grandstanding, um, but you know what monologues mm. and the the dialogue is just it's it's endlessly quotable. Could we take one of those aforementioned? Let's. This is the late great Richard Harris talking to. Uh, Patrick McGinley, if I'm not mistaken, who plays the priest, and uh, the priest is suggesting, could he not just get another field? Get another field. It's my child. I nursed it. I nourished it. I saw it to us every want. I dug the rocks out of it with my bare hands, and I made a living thing of it. I only wilted that green grass, that lovely green grass, and you want to take it away from me, and in the sight of God, I can't let you do that. Can't you find another field? Another field? Another field. Jesus, you're as far in here as that yank. Another field. Are you blind? Those hands, do you see those hands? Those rocks. It was a dead thing. Don't you understand? This is the widow's field. That's the law. The common law. There's another law. Stronger than the common law. What's that? The late, great Richard Harris there uh, talking in the field, which Mark has chosen as one of his favourite and indeed best Irish movies of all time. This is the law. There's, there's so many, like, you know, yeah. it's... the it's I, I, I've, I'm not unknown to get a few drinks in me and start shouting, go home, Yanker. Hope. Well, <laughs> it's funny. Dahi O'Shea last year chose this because on regular assessment, though, we do it, thing most weeks where he talked to someone well known about their favourite movie and Dahi O'Shea chose The Field and spoke very eloquently about it but also said that it's quoted a lot and he told this funny story because he's you know as you know married to an American and he I says not aware. the line go home yank is quoted a lot <laughs> I, did, I wasn't aware I had anything uh, in common with Dahi O'Shea but you, you live and learn Um yeah, I think like obviously, look, it's really dark. It's really disturbing. It's like a Shakespearean tragedy. There's bits of King Lear in there. Mm. Um, you know, when he when he when he calls the field, it's his child. He's not he's not just using flowery language. No. You know, uh, this is life or death stuff. Um, the, the the cast. I mean, when you've got Richard Harris, uh, you know, there's not a lot of room for anyone else. And Brenda Fricker is who is so brilliant in My Left Foot. She's her role is pretty much silent up until the the yeah. the, the end of the movie. Um, I think Tom Berenger is probably miscast, and and John Hurt, he's kind of a trying trying to outdo John Mills and Ryan's daughter. Yeah, I I I go along with you, with Tom Berenger, in that I think he's just you know one oh one yank. Yes, uh, but I I I like John Hurt Do as you? the bird. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. I, I think he's very good, and Sean Bean is good as the as the. You know, emotionally conflicted son. Emotionally, uh, what, what what's the word I'm looking for? The opposite of 
loquacious or articulate, the emotionally stunted. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's he, he also. It's an early example of him dying on screen. That that, he'll, <laughs> that tradition that he is, would make a career he out was of. Make a career out of. Um, yeah, no. I have to. I, before we finish up, I have to talk about the importance of costume. Mm-hmm. Um, that enormous coat that 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 Richard <laughs> Harris wears the whole thing. Richard Harris wasn't a big guy. No. But that coat is doing a lot of work because he is an absolute unit in this. Well, as you know, yeah. I'm an incredibly important man in the Irish I'm, I'm aware. landscape. I've no, heard it said. But I was talking to Jim Sheridan last year or maybe the year before and Richard Harris had told this famous story on The Late Late that uh, Jim Sheridan didn't want to cast him and that he showed up to the audition and he started turning into the bull. Mm. there and then and I thought this was a great story and he told it brilliantly on the Late Late Show and I asked James Sheridan about it and he said no he didn't Yeah. so take a listen to this I wanted to ask you about Richard Harris if I might yeah. I heard him on the Late Late and you know a bit like Peter O'Toole and you know this better than mm-hmm. I do that he was prone to you know hyperbole and stuff but he told the story that you didn't necessarily want him for the Bull McCave but he yeah. turned up to meet you and he slowly transformed into the character in front of yeah. your eyes, started putting on clothes and started slowly changing his voice. Is that how it happened? No. <laughs> I mean, no. Okay. You just ask Richard's kids and they'll tell you, you know, he was the greatest storyteller ever. Yeah. And he, he could, you know, he could manufacture a story. He, he was, like, nearly the opposite was true. To get him to do the film was difficult. And right. he kept saying yes and no, you know. Okay. And, uh, he, but he was, he was amazing, you know, oh, amazing. incredible, incredible. You know, um, I, you know, and like, I suppose the thing is, I was just lucky, you know, I was able to get on with big talents, you know, yeah. great actors. And, and for some reason I had the ego to, think I was equal to them. (laughs) Well, it paid off in the field anyway. It was a war from beginning to end, every day down in second, Leenan. Okay. You know, and, um, but it was a great war, you know, he was mad, but he was great, you know. Yeah, well, the the results are on screen. That was Jim Sheridan there talking to me about how uh, liberal with the truth (laughs) <laughs> Richard Harris could be and how difficult he could be to work with but how wonderful he was and indeed wonderful he is in this movie which Mark has chosen as one of his favourite movies and he gets little argument from me about it. Just in terms of it, I remember going to see it, I think it might have been with my aunt, you mentioned your aunt and my mm. mother and we talked about it in school and our English teacher, and maybe it's because it's based on the play but I remember my mind being slowly blown by it, by the how much symbolism was in it mm. and, and how... It was a great example of movie making and symbolism because there's so much stuff to do with a missing son and there's so much imagery around that and even the way names are used to denote people. They have scarily other meanings throughout that movie. Like there is a missing boy called Seamus. And that name gets changed and turned. Also, you mentioned Brendan Fricker. She doesn't talk to him for most of it. She hasn't spoken to him in 18 yeah, years. Yeah, but when she does, when she does, man, yeah. and the look on Richard Harris's face, oh, <laughs> it's spine tingling. Why are you talking to me? Yeah. It also, it's, you know, it's that thing of, you know, we, we as a people, we have this thing in us of wanting to own our own bit of land, you know. Mm. Yeah. What's also really well done is that this is a movie, even though we're in independent Ireland, that are still dealing with the famine in light of what you're saying and the dispossession of land and also you can tell John B. Keane and Jim Sheridan are taking large swipes broadsides at the church yeah. and their closing of the gates because yeah. they're closing their gates in this instance and they claim that they're also closed their gates during the famine yeah. and finally and I know this is your movie but I also love this film the ending yeah, I know. You know, you talked about Lear. It's it's Lear. It really is. I, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure what Peter would have to say about it, but... Uh, <laughs> Pete? Peter. Oh, yes, 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 Peter. Pa- is it Peter? It is, yeah, the Protection of Animals exactly, organisation yeah, yeah. you're talking about. Yes, I think they were real cows. But, but You would have to ask Jim Sheridan. Yeah, yeah, I would, wouldn't I? Let's get, let's get him on the phone. <laughs> but listen, absolutely 
No argument for me. The Field, as chosen by Mark, as one of his favourite movies of all time. Will we stay with Jim Sheridan? Sure. Just as we're on it. Because this is one of my favourite movies of all time. Not just Irish movies, but favourite movies of all time. Take a listen to this. Why do you always follow me when I do something wrong? Why can't you follow me when I do something right? What are you talking about? Huh? What am I talking about? I'm talking about the medal. What medal? I'm talking about the only f***ing medal that was ever in our house. The medal I won at football. And you was on the sidelines shouting instructions. And you could only see what I was doing wrong. I could never do anything good enough for you. And after the game, you came up to me and you said, you said, Jerry, did you follow the ball? And I walked away from you. Do you remember now? I walked away from you into the dressing room. You followed me in there. And he said again, Jerry, did you follow the ball? And all the other fathers were in there. They were laughing at you. Calling you poor Giuseppe. Because I did follow the ball. What did it matter? We won for once in our lives. We won. You ruined that medal for me. I took it at the pawn. And they laughed at me. They wouldn't even give me 50 pence for it. That's a shock. And that's when I started to rob. The proof that I was no good. Delayed shock. Delayed shock. Never mind delayed shock. I feel like this since I was seven. Now that, of course, is the unmistakable voice of Daniel Day-Lewis opposite the great Pete Postlewaite. Now, the reason why I chose that clip in particular was because it gets to the heart of In the Name of the Father. The clue is in the title. I'm not for one minute suggesting that In the Name of the Father is not about politics and the IRA and the fact that four people were sent to prison for a crime they did not commit, namely the Guildford pub bombing. And I would not deny that it is also about how Britain were determined to put anyone in prison, no matter who they were, just because there was a public baying for blood in the mid-70s. Of course, that is what the movie is about but on another level it is about a father-son relationship and how Jerry Conlon struggled all his life with his father uh, Giuseppe Conlon played brilliantly by Pete Possaway and of course Jerry Conlon was played brilliantly uh, spine-tingingly so by Daniel Day-Lewis and I know Jerry Conlon God rest him has said that it was spine-tingling to watch him and what I love as I say about this movie is that there is no, and, and it's, you know, Jim Sheridan would admit this, it's not that I want to say it's historically inaccurate, but they didn't share a cell to they the best of They took liberties. Knowledge. Yeah, but that's okay when yeah. you're trying to tell a story about a thing, and we might come back to that when we talk about another movie. Artistic license. Yeah, to, to get a point across, but, and I'm slowly building up to this point, but the relationship between Giuseppe and Jerry is handled so brilliantly. And you heard in the clip there, Jerry had that love-hate thing for him that a lot of relations have with each other, whatever about fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, mothers and fathers. But when they're in prison, he forms some kind of rapprochement with him, but not to the point there they put their arms around each other and say, Daddy, I love you. Everything's going to be all right. It's more realistic from that. They help each other when Giuseppe's has to inhale all this stuff to help him feel better and they try and mind each other. That's as close as it gets to them telling them that they love each other. But in the context of this film, it absolutely works and it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, they're two, they're, they really are two incredible performances. I remember the first time I saw this, I thought, God, this is really a step up for, yeah. for Irish movies. You know? Absolutely. But, but, but just on the performance then, we have to get to Daniel Day-Lewis. I mean, you know, he may be the greatest living actor of all time. When you consider who he is when you hear him in an interview, and he sounds like this, even though he's, you know, he's Irish for all intents and purposes, but he sounds like a chap from the middle of London or something. And when you see that he can play Lincoln and you see that he can play Christy Brown in My Left Foot, which mm. we haven't included, but there just hasn't been time. And then you see that he can play this kid from... East Belfast or West Belfast, pardon my geography there. It's absolutely incredible. And, you know, there is a lot made about his method acting and the lengths that he went to. And apparently he did go deep in this and, in essence, stayed awake for hours. And the interrogation scenes in this mm. are petrifying. And there's one particular scene, and I, I think most Irish people have seen this, but where a policeman and the Irish actor momentarily escapes me after torturing them all night comes in and says he's going to shoot his father. And that's when he finally confesses. And that gets to the heart of the movie. And then that's not even to mention 
Emma Thompson as the lawyer who comes on side and what happens when they build a case and they actually overturn this tragedy of justice. It is just a meat and potatoes movie that has absolutely everything. Yeah, it's. It, I think if you for, even forget about all the other stuff that's going on, I, I suppose the heart of it is about the relationship between a father and a son mm. and a strange father and a son. Yeah. And I mean, uh, I suppose it's 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 unusual to get the opportunity like that to make up with your dad yeah, in such exactly. unusual circumstances. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, God, it's just it, it, it really it blew, it blew me away. Yeah, really yeah. blew me away. So that is in the name of the Father, which I am nominating as one of the greatest Irish movies of all time, and certainly one of my favourites from 1993, directed by Jim Sheridan, who we've kind of given a whole section of the show to. But you know what? I think he's worthy of one. I really do. Deservedly so. And if you've just tuned in, you're listening to a special screen time on Patrick's Day, where me and Mark Ryle are nominating some of our favourite and the best Irish movies of all time. Mark, where would you like to go next? It's not all going to be dark, I promise. <laughs> Having said that... You want it darker? <laughs> My next choice is um, Garage from 2007. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, again, like there's any number of Lenny Abramson movies that mm-hmm. I could have picked. I was going to go with Frank because it's so funny. But um, I decided to go with Garage. This is, again, his second movie. Um, I must have a thing about... Second movies. Sophomore movies. Yeah, sophomore. Um, but uh, yeah, his uh, uh, first film was Adam and Paul and the script of Garage. And another great Irish movie. Yeah, I only was, rewatched it recently because it, it was, was on the box. Was it? Yeah. yeah Beckett on crack. <laughs> um, the script of Garage was, <laughs> a good one. was written. I'm sure I'm not the first person to come up with that, but it seems pretty appropriate. Yeah, isn't it? Um, yeah the script of Garage was, was written by uh, one of our finest screenwriters, I think, Marco Halloran. Here, who, here, from, a previous guest on this show. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'll stop saying that. It's just great. Stop plugging your own shit. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm on it now and I'm plugging it. This is weird. It's eating itself. Uh, He's also wearing a t shirt of himself. Um, Again, Garage is another tragedy. It's set in the middle of nowhere um, in a town with one pub, one shop, and one petrol station. And it's at this petrol station that Pat Shorts. Josie lives and works as a garage attendant and he is a he's an innocent soul he's got learning difficulties he's overly eager to please and um all, what he ends up showing something that he shouldn't have to a, this teenager that helps out of the garage out of complete innocence out of complete innocence um out of a he's got this 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 need to please people all mm. the time um but that small and misguided act snowballs and then the guards become involved and his his his, his life as he knows it is 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 destroyed. Um this is gonna sound overly dramatic, but I think that Pat Short was a revelation. Yeah. Um it's such a remarkably low key and controlled performance. And he never even vaguely hinted that he was capable no, I know. of delivering something like this in during in twenty odd years of Unbelievables or Killing a Scully or all of those Christmas RTE guide covers. Um, his, his turn as Josie, it's just remarkable. It's so well studied, you know, and down to the that funny little walk with his hands dangling awkwardly in front of him. You, you just know this person, you know. Yeah. I know people like this. Yeah. Um, it also captures that that grim emptiness and the inertia of small town Ireland. Um, you only have to go to the pub and look at the, you know, the ones that never got away. Yeah. Um, to see what you know, long-term exposure to to I suppose zero stimulation, mm. what, what what that produces, and um, Anne Marie Duff and, and Don Whiteley, he's the pub bully. They're they're particularly good yeah. at at conveying that bitter frustration that is the yeah. Don Whiteley's horrible in it. He is. He's a nasty piece of work, but he's just it's that byproduct of of uh, you know a combination of mind-numbing boredom and a lack of opportunity. Mm. That's where you end up, you know. Um, it doesn't it doesn't faff about. It's really well paced. Um, but it's also, I suppose, a, a slow burner, and it takes time building up to that 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 kick in the nuts resolution. You yeah. Know? Um, and it just it kind of shows the way it ends up. It shows how fragile the line is between that connection with the community on one side, and then uh, chaos and devastation on the other. Um, and how you know one small misunderstanding can can absolutely destroy life. And you know his Josie's tragedy. It's his naivety and his eagerness to please, but it's also his inability to read people. Yeah, that's that's what the problem is here. It's just a, a it's a profoundly moving piece of work. It really is, and you've hit the nail on the head. It is a brilliant script. It's 
by Margaret Halloran, brilliantly directed by Lenny Abrahamson, beautifully paced, and then this revelatory performance by Pat Short. Now, the only thing I would say is I just, you know, before this, we knew him, and the Unbelievables are very funny. I remember going to see them in uh, the Olympia, or Delympia, as they'd call it, and... So we weren't expecting this, but he has since then. He's he's a fine actor when he's not doing comedy. Like he was great in Dark Lies the Island. He has he has depth as an actor. Now he he may never have hit as high as mm. this since, but he is a good actor. I just wish he'd do more of this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah well, well, you know, the, the future's unwritten. There's plenty <laughs> in. There's plenty left to go. But look, Garage is without doubt a, a, an absolutely fantastic movie, and I'm delighted you chose it. And uh, if you hadn't, I probably would. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to a special screen time here on St. Patrick's Day where me and our resident critic Mark Ryle are nominating some of our favourite Irish movies of all time. Time is running away. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can email us screentime at newstalk.com or you can tweet me, John underscore Fardy. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with you. Now you're welcome back to Screen Time on this St. Patrick's Day. You're listening to a very special show where myself and Mark Ryle, our resident critic on Screen Time, are nominating our favourite Irish movies of all time. We'd love to hear from you. Screentime at Newstalk.com is the email address. Or you can tweet me, John underscore Fardy, is my Twitter handle. Now, before the break, we were talking about the wonderful garage. I am going to bring us our first. Is this our first Neil Jordan movie? I think it is. It is, isn't it? Yes, um, it is. Yeah, and this is the unmistakable sound of you-know-who. <laughs> the fact that the candidate you're being asked to vote for is at this moment rotting in an English jail shouldn't put you off. So wasn't I in one myself till a week ago. <laughs> they can jail us. They can shoot us. They can even conscript us. They can use us as cannon fodder in the psalm. But, but... We have a weapon more powerful than any in the whole arsenal of their British Empire. And that weapon is our refusal. Our refusal to bow to any order but our own. Any institution but our own. Our friends at the Royal Irish Constabulary would like to shoot me up. Jail me again. Shoot me. Who knows? But I'd like you to send them a message. If they shut me up, who'll take my place? Who's going to take my place? That was Liam Neeson there, of course, as Michael Collins. Now, Mark, Mm. this might be a controversial choice for some people. Go ahead. (laughs) Well, you see, we don't have great Irish epics the way other countries have, I don't think. And I think Michael Collins, for its flaws, is an Irish epic because the criticism is Neil Jordan got the history wrong. Mm. And what I would say is history, of course there have to be facts in history, but it is a certain amount of interpretation. And what he was attempting to do was convey a sense of the time. He took liberties, but he took liberties to tell a story. The unmistakable fact is that England were ruling Ireland by the time all the bother finished in 1921 and 22, they no longer were so. And he conveyed that period in the most dramatic, beguiling, action-packed terms ever. You also have Liam Neeson giving, and I think by his admission as well, possibly the performance of a lifetime. He was absolutely sensational as this cranky, inspiring, loving, hateful Irish revolutionary. I think it is his high water mark. I think it's absolutely wonderful. I've seen it so many times because I used to show it to Spanish students. Oh, yeah? on Friday mornings when I didn't know what else to do when I was teaching them English. I was also one of the extras in the crowd scene uh, in in what was doubling up as Crow Park, but it was actually Bray Ronder's ground out in Bray. I've also spoken to its director, Neil Jordan, not that long ago on this show, and I put it to him that the movie was probably getting a better airing than it used to because there's been more of a sympathy to that type of storytelling. Anyway, take a quick listen to this. And it seems to me now that, you know, through maybe like people like Richard Carney or Dermot Ferreter who've kind of given us different views of history that, you know, it, history's, 
you know, competing narratives to a certain extent and all that. It seems that movie has a much greater reception now. It's it's rightly seen as a classic in a way it wasn't 25 years ago. Is that your sense of it, that its appreciation has grown considerably? Well, perhaps, yeah. I mean, at the time, it was kind of like constructing a national monument, you know, and <laughs> everybody has ideas about what a national monument should look like. Yeah. You know, generally national monuments are military figures on horses, you know, if the left leg is raised, it means one thing. If the sword is pulled out of the scar, <laughs> yeah. scar out of the, you know, out of the belt, it means another. I mean, Michael Collins was made at the time when the uh, peace process was just, when the IRA were, were attempting to disarm. So there was a huge amount of argument about what Irish history meant and what particularly the 1916 rebellion and the war of independence meant, you know. Yeah, And, you know, people took very, very, uh, very kind of intense reactions to those events and to any portrayal of them. So it was fine. I mean, I mean, it was it was like making a, a film in the middle of a of a national kind of row, really. But, <laughs> yeah. but I did enjoy it. I enjoy I enjoy these situations of kind of absurd conflict. And I loved making the movie, I have to say, you know. That was Neil Jordan there from last year, I think, talking to me about Michael Collins. And what you heard him say there is that, you know, it's like a public statue and people have different opinions on what you should be doing with the statue. But I think he did a damn fine job with the statue of Michael Collins. I'm sensing you mightn't agree. I've seen this. I actually saw it quite recently. I think it had an anniversary there the year before last or mm. ish. And so it's quite fresh in the memory. I mean, it is... Yes, I mean it's it's the Cliff Notes version of the, yeah. the formation of the Free State. Yeah. And if I say formation of the Free State five times into a mirror, Dermot Ferriter will appear. <laughs> um, I would, I mean, I would, I was thinking about, you know, I was going to talk about the Butcher Boy or the Crying Game or any other mm. of, I mean, and yeah, I mean, I can see, I, I, I it's a movie with flaws. Um, <laughs> Julia Roberts gets a lot of a hard time for yeah. her Irish accent yeah. but what struck me the last time I saw it was how bad the Irish accents are of the Irish actors <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Aidan Quinn uh, who's uh, like I think I think he's Irish yeah he? he is Yeah, he's, he's, he's been gone a while though. it's like it's been fed through a universal translator <laughs> it's <laughs> wouldn't be my pick but I mean you know whatever floats your boat but what about Liam Neeson <sighs> I mean, it's a it's a big it's a big performance, you know. Mm. I mean, it's it's what's needed for the yeah. for the for the movie. Yeah. Um, and as I say, you can't really. It's like it's usually on TV a lot. So. Yeah. And but I I think it's one of those movies that when it is on TV, it's really hard to stop watching it, which yeah, yeah. I always think is a great sign. And you know, just to, to move it on, like Neil Jordan again, one of those people we could list many of his movies. If we had more time and on another day, I would have picked The Crying Game because I think that's one of the greatest films ever made. It and is, it's such yeah. a clever investigation of identity. Every sense of the word identity, mm. not just Irish, but gender and who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. That's a fantastic movie. But anyway, we don't have enough time. So listen, without further ado, what is your... Last entry in your list of your favourite Irish movies of all time. My when we when we were talking about this and you told me you weren't doing this, I thought I'm hopping on this straight yes. away because we've done a couple of these in the past yes. and you have always picked I Went Down so I don't get to talk about it. I will talk about I Went Down until the cows come home. Well, so will I'm I. I'm never going to stop praising it. Um, we mentioned this. We did a series. We did a special about the best road movies of all time. Yeah, and we mentioned. And I think we maybe during the lockdown. We mentioned it as well. something to revisit. We'll mention it whenever we can. Any opportunity. Uh, so it's a, this is a it's a it's from 1997 and it's a slice of very definitely pre Celtic Tiger Island. <laughs> um, so the story is uh, uh, Peter McDonald is git. He's just been released from prison and he. He finds himself taking on his friend's debt to this mob boss called Tom French. And in order to absolve himself of this debt, he has to go to Cork and collect some cash from one of uh, Tom French's associates who's stolen one half of some counterfeit printing plates. And uh, he's paired up on this trip with the improbably named Bunny, who's this small time heavy and he's watched too many Westerns and he is played brilliantly by um, Brendan Gleeson masterful performance yeah. and it's uh, it's an oil and water pairing um, it, the, the thing I love about I Went Down is that it is genuinely funny uh, oftentimes when you go and revisit something that you remember really enjoying you're disappointed mm. I Went Down is not disappointing no, at all it never disappoints uh, the script 
by Conor McPherson is it's it's just full of razor sharp dialogue and bone dry humor, and the plot is kind of secondary to the di- to to you know to the the dialogue and what happens is not as important as how it happens, mm-hmm. and it's all in the small talk. Yeah, you know, um, and this slow development of this friendship between Gleason and McDonald, and it goes from distrust and animosity to then. Uh, a sort of a begrudging recognition of uh, a sort of kinship and then eventually to this bond of loyalty. And it's kind of like an Irish midnight run. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And, and yeah. it also beautifully kind of takes place on the back roads of Ireland, literally the roads of Ireland. They're all little back roads that it's shot on around like Offaly and places like that. And there's little bog scenes and there's a gorgeous, I, I, I know uh, the Revelino have some music on it as well, but they're beautiful, uh, just, just instrumental pieces as they're meandering through Midlands, Ireland. It's, yeah, it, it, there's so many shots of different closed down mm. ballrooms. Yeah, I know. I show bands. Yeah, exactly. It's beautiful. And empty churches and empty churches church car park yeah 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 um yeah the thing is just to talk you mentioned that the revelino there um the, 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 the neither uh, mcdonald and gleason they're just they really have good chemistry but they're not yeah. overdoing it or trying it too hard yeah and the thing that was great about i went down is that it wasn't trying to ape something else no. it wasn't trying to rip off you know um oh i suppose tarantino would be an influence but it wasn't trying to be something it wasn't it wasn't this fake bagara version of ireland and it was his own thing and that's that's that includes the soundtrack as well you mentioned revelino but lures lure yeah. on the soundtrack and uh roller skate skinny and uh mexican pets as well and it's it's this it was it's it's cool without trying to be yes. something that that you know we are not i mean we're not good at being cool <laughs> No, I know. You know yeah, it, it was cool. I trying to be cool. absolutely, and I think especially at that time, and it happened more in the early noughties. Exactly, Irish yeah. movies were falling over themselves to try and almost reflect modern yeah. Ireland, and they just got it wrong. This is a movie that got it completely right because yeah, yeah. it was just on its own terms. It's a, it's it, what it does is it, it kind of it conveys a mood. Yeah. Um, Really, really well. And it's also a story of two lost souls coming yeah. together because there's a real sadness to both the characters, particularly Brendan Gleeson as well because his marriage is falling apart and there's this secret that really amounts to nothing but he's blown it up in his head and his his dialogue is just brilliant because he's he's a bit dim, let's he be is, honest yeah, about yeah. it, but he's masquerading as someone very intelligent. This is uh, a clip of the now sadly departed Peter Caffrey uh, and Brendan Gleeson in the car as they drive along. Did you ever make love to a gangster's wife? Jeez, you can't really enjoy yourself. I mean, no, no, I'm not saying. I mean, she's a smashing little board, French's missus. I don't really want to hear this, Frankie. Do anything, do you? Do anything. And there you are, relaxing, perfectly within your rights. Two consenting adults having intercourse. I don't want to hear this, Frankie. And human contact. Very nice. But all the time, like, I, you're just waiting, just waiting for them to catch up with you. You've no idea. The fear. It's like making love with the angel of death sitting on your... Would you have to shut up? You're jabbering away there like, like, like a idiot. I mean, the thing is, like, you know, I mean, we don't know. One, if you're bullshitting us. Two, if you're lying. Three, what is going on? So just give it a rest, all right? Cool your jets. Only talk. Oh, you f***ing do us talk. Oh, wonderful stuff. Peter Caffrey's brilliant, isn't it? He is, absolutely. And uh, and Brendan Gleeson and Peter McDonald, who was nice to see is... Uh, in, Batman. Got a big role in <laughs> The Batman, which I was I nice to see. Because he, he's a great actor. And he is, a good yeah. He manages actor. to be hangdog and fresh-faced in yeah. this at the same time. It, it's impressive. It's impressive. Look, that's I went down... Me and Mark have for a long time thought that it was one of the great Irish movies of all time. So it's no surprise that it is in our favourite Irish movies of all time. If you've just tuned in, we're nearly finished. You're listening to a special screen time special of the best Irish movies of all time. Mark, we're going to get to my last one. Go for it. And I laboured long and hard over this because I, I, I just didn't want everything to be from a certain time or whatever. So I was going to go Sing Street. Right, mm-hmm. and then I thought oh, maybe I'll do Once because I I love Once as well. They're both John Carney movies, and then I thought, you know what? For a movie about the Irish music scene, none spoke to me more than the Commitments did. Again, 
not a perfect movie. Some of the acting, you could say, is ropey at times. But I will never forget 1991, going to see this in the cinema, being a teenager. And genuinely, I know it wasn't the first time it happened, but for the first time for a lot of people, it was the first time we saw people on screen who looked like us, mm. talked like us, talked about riding, mm. which was all we cared about at that age. Talked about it, talking about it as though we did. Exactly. And it was just a sheer delight. And I think this holds such a special place in people's hearts. See, now, particularly maybe for Dublin people as well, you know. But to see all these young, good-looking people playing music, speaking with urban accents, with a great story based on the great Roddy Doyle novel. Alan Parker came in to direct it. By all accounts, it was a strange shoot. There was a great documentary, Back to Barrytown, yeah, yeah. last year. And uh, he, I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but it turned out he wasn't the most benign presence mm. on set. That notwithstanding... It was, it was, I mean, it was a catapult for a lot of careers, some that worked out better than others. But it's just, it's it's hard to argue. And I said it about Michael Collins, but I think it's more true with the commitments. I remember one year it was on and the amount of people who said to me, you know, I saw the commitments and I've seen it a million times, but it was on Stevens's night and I watched the whole thing when it came on. It's not a perfect movie, but it is one of the greatest Irish movies ever made. Yeah, and it's funny. Discuss. Discuss. <laughs> What do you think about the commitments? Mostly bees. Um, I think I, I was, I fell out of love with the commitments for a long time. I think because it was so ubiquitous and it was just so overly familiar. Mm. And but I mean, it, it is. It's it's a it's a funny movie, mm. you know. And the cast is enormous, but it's so well cast. Yeah, it is. You can't, I mean, there's not really any part that you think, God, I don't no, know about I that. Know. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And it's funny you say that because, and I, I'm joking about name dropping, but I did interview Angeline Ball for another good Irish movie last year called uh, Deadly Cuts. And, you know, I was saying to her, so I have to bring up the commitments. And she was kind of saying, like you said, you know, if you had said that to me 10 years ago, I would have been like, can we not Growing. just move on yeah. or whatever? But now she's realised that, you know, that was a wonderful time in her life and was the launching pad for so many great things that happened. So I don't think you can really argue, as an Irish person, how important the commitments was to us and what it kind of did for the Irish film scene as well. Yeah, you yeah. Know? I suppose it, at least it wasn't trad. <laughs> There's another thing, the music was absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah. And and remains and the, the, that conceit of you know a Dublin Northside band doing soul music was just an inspired mm. idea. Yeah. It 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 really was, you know. So look, Mark, I've enjoyed this. There have been notable admissions. I have to say, we we didn't really get into the crying game. No. If there had been more time, I would have liked to have talked about Sing Street. Uh, I would have liked to have talked about the horror, uh, the hole in uh, hole, hole in the, the ground, ground yeah. which which we really enjoyed. Didn't talk about horror. We didn't talk Irish about horror Irish horror at all. I would have liked to maybe go back a bit. Uh, Cahill Black's career was, is definitely worthy of inclusion. The good thing is, it's a nice thing to say, there are a lot of great Irish movies that we just didn't get to. There is, yes. It is. And we're if you're, pun we're punching above our weight. Yes, we certainly are. We certainly are, as the priest said at my wedding. But we certainly are. So if you're a young Irish filmmaker listening out there, you know, the future's unwritten. There's, there's great Irish movies to be made. Thank you for coming in, Mark. Thanks, John. And to you who've been listening, thank you for listening. I wish you a happy St. Patrick's Day. Just remind you that this show is usually on every Saturday at 6 o'clock on News Talk. It's available as a podcast on Friday. We do all sorts of things, but it's all about movies and TV. And uh, thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of your day.